Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm Mari Forth. I'm Sarah Carradine, podcasting from unceded Gadigal land. And this is Crime Scene, the true crime review podcast where we get to the heart of how true crime stories are told. We'd love it if you would subscribe to our feed. Please go to robhasawebsite.com slash crime feed. You'll get your true crime on Tuesdays as well as helping us keep this program going. If you've already subscribed, thank you so much. It makes a big difference. Mari, what did we watch this week? We watched Dangerous Breed, Crime, Cons, Cats. It's a three-part docuseries on Peacock. Sorry, Amari, I don't mean to make you laugh, but I'm just rolling my eyes and shaking my head just listening to you say the title of this docuseries. Yes. Um, and to help us untangle this tale, we have a guest who we forced to be a vegan, then stuffed with fruitcake, making his third appearance on the scene. It's Rob Sesamino. Rob. Yes. Hey, Rob. Excited to be here on the wrestling rehab up. Oh, nope. Wrong one. Wrong <laughs> oh, one. Okay. Wrong one. Oh. I know. I, it's kind of confusing. This is cause... like we're really crossing the streams today. <laughs> yes. Ghostbusters yes. uh, yes. through... reference? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I have oh, Bill on the brain. So yes. Yeah. yes. Uh, but yeah, thank you for having me back. Yes, of course. Like halfway through the docuseries, I was like, man, I, I wish we could have gotten Matt on here too, because uh, it was 
Yeah, it was great. I mean, I knew it was a, a, a docuseries about wrestling, but they really went into it. I was like very surprised mm-hmm. at, at what we got. Um, Rob, we already like know your true crime origin story, mm-hmm. but just quick, quick thought on the overall what you thought about the watching this docuseries. Yeah, well, when you said we're going to get to the heart of uh, the <laughs> true crime, we truly are today. You know, I have to say I was very conflicted uh, watching mm-hmm. this um, dangerous breed. I, I mean, I did think it was very entertaining, right. but I felt like uh, for, you know, um, watching it through, like, I felt like that the um, the show really was trying to, like, have its cake and eat it, too. And mm-hmm. I feel like that the, you know, the documentarian, uh, the person who had all of the document uh, documentary film footage about yeah. this very problematic individual, yep. Teddy Hart, <laughs> like, I felt like that was sort of like being like coming across as like the hero of like, OK, well. Like uh, that, it, it was a problem. Like I, I can see now that like spending so much time with this man was bad. Um, yeah. But like, I kind of feel like this, this report documentary also like does a lot of like uh, glorifying and celebrating Teddy Hart. Yes. And I'm conflicted as well. This documentarian, if we can call him that, Frederick Kreutz, I don't wish to disparage his filmmaking abilities, but he does continually say, oh, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing. And I feel like he's one of the bad actors in this documentary. It's like some sort of apology tour, but without going so far as to say I was complicit. It's like, well, it's, it's like one of those apologies of, well, if, if you felt that way, I'm sorry. It's strange. Yeah, Sarah, I mean, he does a whole apology of like, yeah, I can see now. Like, I should, should I have stopped? Yes, I, I should, I, I shouldn't have spent time with him. And then you see the the Rolling Stone person uh, who wrote the article about Teddy Hart. Like, yeah, why did I do it? Look, I wanted to get like popular at Rolling Stone. It was my dream to get published at Rolling Stone. And I saw Teddy and I thought this was my opportunity. And I feel like that you could probably like interview an executive at Peacock and say, hey, why, why'd you make this documentary? It's like, look, we're trying to get Peacock off the ground, okay? That Tiger King was huge. This could have been our Tiger King. I, no. should we have done it? I don't know. But you know what? To us at the time, it seemed like, uh, like uh, it's like, Rob and Sarah and Mari, why are you doing this podcast? No, we, <laughs> no we're actually being the, we're, we're actually yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. yes. That's yes. a it, great point, Rob. It's very, uh, I had a lot of trouble watching this yes. for all manner of reasons and not all of those reasons were Teddy Hart, although several of them were. were. Yeah. All right. So let's get to the crime and then we can really, really dive deep into this property. So Teddy Hart is the professional wrestling name of Canadian wrestler Edward Annis. He comes from the famous Hart wrestling lineage and was highly regarded as a young wrestler. He was the youngest person to receive a WWE contract and the youngest person fired by the WWE. Um, What they told the documentarian here was uh, that he was uncoachable, was uh, what we got from a black screen (laughs) and some type. Since that time, Teddy has set up various wrestling schools in Canada and the U.S. He has been charged with various crimes, including sexual assault and unlawful confinement in 2014. Charges were dropped in 2016 on on that regard. 
Uh, he had DUIs, evading arrest, auto theft in 2017. Charges also dropped there as well. In 2020, he was arrested four times. First, for possession of, con of a controlled substance with the intent to sell. Then for violating bail and house arrest conditions. Then for assault and strangulation resulting in bodily harm. And finally, for injuring a disabled person, evading arrest, and oh being God. in possession of a controlled substance. Like, it's so long. The rap sheet is long. In 2021, again, he was arrested for possession of a controlled substance. In late 2019, early 2020, professional wrestling's version of Me Too began trending under the hashtag Speaking Out with various women naming Hart as an abuser. He has never been charged nor even interviewed by law enforcement over the 2016 disappearance and presumed death of his thin girlfriend, Samantha Fiddler. Okay. Woo! Yeah. Wow. Okay. So this docuseries, it was. It was very interesting. And I think, Rob, that was a great point that I didn't even I don't even know if I connected the dots while I was watching it. It was death. It definitely feels like a Tiger King, like they were aiming for Tiger King here. It, it felt like like kind of like the Tiger King, Sarah, like the jinx kind of all in, in, in one. This docuseries was recorded over a 10 year period, um, like we said, and it's. It started out as a reality TV show when they when they first started, they, they were pitching it as a reality TV show. And, and we've talked about it on this program back in 2012, 2014 area era. Now, anybody could get a reality TV show. <laughs> and they definitely tried their luck with Petty here. And then it just kind of morphs as it goes along. And it was very interesting to watch the progression of him and then his, the several girlfriends that we meet along the way. It was very eye-opening and very scary and uncomfortable, like we said, because you're wondering what he would have gotten away with if the cameras weren't there, even though he's technically gotten away with a lot of stuff. <laughs> Rob, what, what did you think? <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great point. Um, about what he would have gotten away with uh, if the cameras weren't there. But I can also feel like a lot of things he does are because the cameras are there. So uh, like it's um, not to say that he wasn't committing uh, a, a ton of crimes and also like horrible deeds at times when he wasn't on camera. Um, but, you know, I, I think that um, he's very calculated, uh, Teddy Hart, mm -hmm. and he sort of like knows like what to give like these like producer types. Uh, you know, again, he is in professional wrestling. Like, uh, you know, where yeah. does the kayfabe uh, end mm -hmm. with, um, you know, what we see about Teddy in the documentary? And, you know, you see like as uh, the, they go along the different like uh, facets of himself that they, he tries to like portray of that. He is, you know, he is a wrestler. And then also like uh, that he is like a, has a lifestyle that uh, could be interesting mm -hmm. to reality TV producers. And so like whatever, you know, you, he wants to show you, that's kind of like what he's able to give. So, you know, it's, uh, he, it's, it's disturbing. Yeah, very, very that. Uh, Sarah, I think the biggest thing about this docu-series, it's three, it's three episodes. I'm okay with the length of it. I thought it was pretty, I thought it was pretty good. Like with, yeah, because of yeah. 10 years worth of material, I thought it was perfectly fine and perfectly 
uh, spaced out and stuff. What did you think about this style here? Because we get introduced to Frederick, the the docu- the documentary filmmaker. The, he is the one who has the idea of he's just uh, recording wrestlers, and then he 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 kind of stumbles on Teddy Hart, and then that's when he's like, "Oh, I need to make him the star of of this reality." I I'm trying to break in to that that field. I I should follow him, and the way that this is shown frederick literally he said it uh, i'll just name him freddie fred uh, for the rest of this <laughs> um but fred just talks about how he every moment he was with teddy hart he just had a camera up right he just filmed every interaction but the way we're getting it in this docuseries is fred talking to us almost like current time and then like three years ago and then near the beginning. What did you think of this, Sarah? Look, I think it's a very interesting setup. You have someone, this this Frederick, he has 10 years worth of film, unedited, everything, unstoried, unnarrated film. And he's watching certain parts on his screen, on his laptop. We're watching Mm -hmm. him watching it. Yeah. (laughs) And then he has sort of rueful, regretful, questioning of himself and the situation. I think the setup mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. I don't trust this Frederick. Mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. that there's any depth to his questioning. I think that, like Teddy, he's he has tried for 10 years to make a documentary about Teddy, and now he has thought, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll make a documentary about me being rueful and regretful about what I witnessed with Teddy and perhaps I could have done more. Mm-hmm. And if we could just get this one big moment where I find the missing Samantha and save her, what a great ending that will be. So I, I, it, it, Teddy's an unreliable narrator, mm-hmm. but I found Frederick to be a deceptive, perhaps self-deceptive as well, narrator. So set up good content very disturbing and that went beyond the abuse by teddy yeah i was just looking at the credits to see you know um that freddie is also one of many executive producers on uh this show where Mm -hmm. if he was somebody who was just interviewed for this it would be one thing you know, and again, it's hard to say like uh, like the marketing of the thing versus the thing. But this is definitely marketed as a celebration of Teddy Hart. Mm. I mean, when you look at like the like when you look at the, um, you know, the cover, the poster for this thing, it's Teddy Hart flexing. I mean, mm-hmm. the show is called Dangerous Breed, Colin. Crime, cons, cats, like it is like really as much as like, okay, how do we reverse engineer a Tiger King for Peacock as much as possible? Yeah, I I can definitely agree with that. This this docuseries came out in November Mm -hmm. and we did get a few suggestions about it and for it. Um, But I I had vaguely remembered when it first came out, there were people complaining about the content of it and they they weren't really sure if it was ethical, eth- ethically made. And 
when we decided to actually cover it and ask you to cover it, Rob, like I really wanted to watch it to break down if we thought it was, you know, ethically made. And I remembered that one of the main things that people had a problem with was Chasen Rance was actually in this documentary. So skipping forward, we're not going to go chronologically uh, this episode, but the show didn't either. It didn't either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the speaking out movement, the, the fact that they, they brought up the speaking out movement, I thought I was so excited because I feel like, I feel like it doesn't get like as much attention as the Me Too movement. It shouldn't get, you know, I'm not comparing, but I'm just saying like the speaking out movement was, was a, 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 a production of the the Me Too movement because Me Too happened because so many people were able to come forward with their stories. Speaking out kind of happened organically a few years later, just mainly focusing on the wrestling industry, and it was such a big thing when it happened. And so many women wrestlers, like from the like highest like top ranking female stars to like indie indie women who have only been wrestling for a few months all basically could share stories of how misogynistic how like sexual assault and um coercion sexual coercion is rampant in the wrestling community and so when they first brought this up here in dangerous breed i was like please let's get some some light on this movement and when they started talking about the team vision dojo and how it was such a bad dojo. I was like, yes, come on, let's get into it. And even in my notes, I'm like, oh, yes, they're talking about the Team Vision Dojo because Chasen Rance was like the face of like speaking out. Like he was the one person that they got up out the paint really quickly. And so in my notes, I'm like, okay, great, we're getting into this. Then he sat down and I was like, what? Mm-hmm. What? Why, mm-hmm. is, why is this happening? So they interviewed Chase and Rance to kind of give his side of the story, but he doesn't talk anything about speaking out. He's just talking about his role in this story with Samantha. And it's very interesting. How do we feel like they handled this? Because they they unrolled all of his kind of like the accusations against him and all of that. They don't address it with him on screen and they kind of make him look like a liar at some points. When they're like, oh, when he talks about his erotic wrestling content, but Rob, what, that what threw did you me. Think? That threw me for a loop. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, one, I didn't know, I didn't know anything from uh, Chase and Rance. I didn't know uh, his mm-hmm. backstory. But then right. he he sits down for an interview and talks about how this uh, this school uh, that they also film like make like um, fetish videos here yeah. about wrestling. But he like is like look, we make videos and yes, uh, like they're for a certain like clientele, but we do not do this. We do not do this. Like uh, he makes it sound like it's almost like this was like, no, these are like for sport. These are like, uh, like maybe like maybe some people watch it for that, but that's not why we make them. Um, And I just thought it was like, and then of course that we find out that, okay. And here's Teddy Hart uh, starring in a bunch of these uh, risque videos. I think you mean Teddy trouble. Teddy trouble. (laughs) Teddy trouble. I mean, the bespoke erotic 
video industry is absolutely fascinating, especially mm-hmm. when the creators have the control. And I have um, listened to some very interesting uh, podcasts with sex workers who do this, women, I'm sure there are men who do it as well. They get a request, a bespoke situation that a client would like to see them enact and they do it and they send it. And this to me seems very pure is sort of the wrong word, but very uh, it's it's a business, it's something that's being provided and it's private. But this Chase mm-hmm. and Rance is saying, well, we make them and look, if you want to watch them erotically, that, you know, you could not watch them. Uh, we certainly don't make it. And meanwhile, we've got vision of of Teddy twisting someone's G-string, G-string and pulling at their genitals and slapping them. And it's like, well, it's not erotic to me, but, I mean, it's clearly not wrestling. I, I mean, yes, it's not wrestling. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Because some of them start in the locker room and I don't think they leave the locker room. So this is not a sport. <laughs> this is uh, what Stu Hart had in mind when he put the dungeon together. Oh no. Oh no. Stu Hart definitely I don't think he would approve of this. Sarah, how did we become like um like experts experts at custom erotic wrestling? This is like the second time we've talked about it. Uh we co- yeah. we talked about <laughs> erotic oh. wrestling and Killer Sally as well. It's intriguing to me that this so if people aren't aware in pre-production or when when productions of documentaries or films or whatever are slated, they're often listed in various places as being in pre-production, and mm. it's always intriguing to see how long they are. This was called Untitled Teddy Hart Project, and it's been it was slated for over a year. I actually didn't think it was ever going to be made, but sometimes mm. things have been on the slate for so long, and Murray and I are looking for properties that we want to talk about. Yep. Uh, it was on a slate for a very long time, so you can't really say that there were production difficulties, but I think given that there's no director credited and that a long list of executive producers are credited, it's not surprising that there is either no point of view or certainly no moral centre to this uh, to uh, this documentary, Yes, in my opinion. Good point. So let's kind of talk about the structure of the the documentary and maybe what they kind of wanted us to get out of it. So if you look at the trailer and the trailer is what grabbed us, I I think we can all say that it it really, they did a good job of like grabbing us and making us want to know what happened. But basically over the course of the years that the documentarian uh, Frederick Fred is, is um, following Teddy, a woman that he, he actually videotapes Teddy with named Samantha He videotapes them together for a few months and then all of a sudden Samantha goes missing and Samantha has been missing like at this point for at least I think it's six years now, almost seven, seven years now almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so they kind of draw you in thinking like it like I was really thinking this was going to be like a jinx type situation like he I was following Teddy for 10 years and could he have done it and you have all of that the the footage of of fred like did you do it teddy and and then Teddy said like i don't care about samantha like it's it's very sizzle reel very like gotcha style journalism and you go into it thinking are somewhere in this footage an answer to what happened to samantha unfortunately no because frederick stops 
videotaping Teddy at the time that she goes missing. So we are saying, oh, it's 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 almost 10 years of of Frederick um, following Teddy around when honestly it's it's five. It's like five, almost five. He he finally has had enough. Should we say he finally had enough or finally realizes he can't market it and he stops filming him for like two to three years. And then when he finds out that uh, Samantha has been missing again, that's when he jumps back in it. And that's when he starts reaching out to Teddy again. That's when he starts um, following up with Samantha's sisters and Samantha's friends. And now it feels Mm -hmm. like he's trying to turn it into a documentary like post serial. Yes, post yes. serial. Great point. Mm-hmm. Great point, Rob. Like now it feels like he's like, oh, maybe this is the direction. Maybe this is where we go. Maybe we we like Sarah said, this is we find what happened to Samantha. And this is the part where your skin kind of crawls. I, I I would say this is the part where it's like you just see the desperation of him trying to make these years worth it. Because he spent so many years with Teddy. He spent so many years trying to get this either reality TV show or something to be greenlit that it's like he's kind of forcing it. He's pot committed. Yeah. He's pot committed. Yeah. Yes. So at one point, too. yeah, he asks, yeah, well, absolutely. Mm. I mean, at one point he says, oh, can you take the cat away from your bosom because it's eating the microphone mm-hmm. and my mother paid $700 for that microphone and you go, oh, Freddie. Yeah. Like, it's all very well, you know, you can protect your equipment, but just that phrase that, that it was his mother that paid the $700. Mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, he has spent time, he's invested emotion. I think he felt that he was, he was glamoured a little bit by Teddy. He wanted part of that lifestyle in some way. And Teddy played him like a, like a fiddle. No I don't know the word, but mm-hmm. uh, we find out from Michelle. So quite early on, Teddy says to Freddie, the documentarian, would you like to see my lifestyle? We, me and my wife, Faye, are swingers. And Freddie says, oh, yeah, that, 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 would, that would be quite interesting. Yes, I'd like to see that. <laughs> and so we meet Teddy's girlfriend, Michelle who is a lover of both Teddy and Faye, and they're all this wonderful threesome and they all live together, come to find out that the day that Freddie filmed them was the first day Michelle met them. She was an actress hired by Teddy to portray the girlfriend, and then she actually became the girlfriend and became drawn into, into that menage. And Freddie can sit back now and go, did I influence that? Was that because the cameras were there? Do I have a, you know, do I have any guilt in this? He actually never says the word guilt. Uh, so, yeah, it's it, it, it's on one hand you have this flashy Teddy is almost more authentic than Freddie trying to find a way into documentary filmmaking, trying to find a, 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 a be given a show on some network. At one point he gets $100,000. And then the charges against Teddy come in and whoever gave him the $100,000 who he doesn't name says, nope, nope, we don't want that. Like nobody Mm -hmm. wants it. Exactly. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... 
The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And not just to mention that, Sarah, but he didn't. they didn't introduce the swinging aspect until after they had pitched the first sizzle reel. Like, the they pitched the first sizzle reel about it just being him and... Uh, the, his wrestling dungeon and all of this, and they were rejected repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. Then it's like, oh, but also look at this polyamory, and it's like, again, it, it even so early in the docu series, you're like, oh, that's not, that doesn't feel great, and you see that we're seeing the footage of you know Michelle and Faye and Faye's topless, and they're all like, it, it's all like clearly seduction and, and kissing for a, a male gaze or, 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 you know, and I'm like, this doesn't make me feel comfortable. And then when the charges come and he's talking to Michelle and Faye later, he's like, Oh my God, I didn't realize. I'm like, how I'm staring at this footage. It looks uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um, some of those scenes where, uh, you know, the three of them are together and mm-hmm. Freddie is there filming like uh, mm-hmm. very, very uncomfortable uh, <laughs> to be watched. Did not seem like uh like, this was a very like natural situation going on. I was just thinking, okay, so now are we going for that Cinemax check? Like, mm-hmm. where are we going here? Like, it went from, yeah, Sarah. Well, I was going to say the cat juggling didn't go across very well. Oh, so yeah. we, it must be mm-hmm. said that he has hundreds of Persian cats. I mean, oh right, oh yeah. I felt I was watching talk about the cats. Smellivision. <laughs> oh. These cats are everywhere. And at one point, a cat is is um, giving birth, and Freddie says, "Let me get in there! Let me get in there!" And they're lifting her tail so he can film the. It's like, what um, is this? Yeah, and oh, and Teddy says the, he's trained every one of those cats. Yeah, and then the the woman's like, "Oh yeah," then the guy comes and we sell the cat placentas. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the, a natural medication mm-hmm. for diabetes, like yeah. cat placenta. I'm like, what is happening right now? Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's what you're getting most of this documentary. Like, what kind of madness is it? And I, I'm, I'm really gonna just keep going back to this Tiger King reference that Rob brought up because now that you said it, it makes like it all literally clicks. 
Because that's exactly what it feels like. It feels like the, the verboseness of having so many women, having so many animals. He he brought his cat, Mr. Money, everywhere. Mr. Money, yeah. Mr. Money was in every single scene. Like, Mr. Money was yeah. cute, though. I'll give him that. Just go back to the Tiger King comparison for a minute, Please. because I feel like that while the Tiger King, uh, you know, was like a worldwide phenomenon at the time that it came up and cor- correct me if I'm wrong, like at the heart of Tiger King, um, there was not, I, I mean, the missing person um, or like potential mm-hmm. murder in Tiger King. It turned out to not even be a murder because they found well, Carol Baskin's husband. Uh, it was really a, a uh, oh, that didn't happen? Is that a no, fake news? Snope, Snope says no, yes. Snope okay. says no. Okay. She uh, was the one who said that he he was still alive. Oh, okay. Uh, well, either either way, though, but it wasn't that yeah. Joe Exotic was at the, like, and there was, there. I mean, there was, like, uh, you know, people that ultimately lost their li- lives in Tiger King, but it wasn't so much like that, that Joe Exotic was at the subject of, like, a missing persons investigation in the uh-huh. same way that Teddy Hart, uh, ultimately, like, uh, there's still a, a woman who, you know, uh, is, you know, presumed dead at the heart of yeah. this. And I, and I think that, that that took away from sort of like the lightheartedness that Tiger King was able to enjoy. Yeah, that and Teddy Hart is just not likable or charismatic at all. Mm-hmm. Like he, at least not to us viewers. You know, he does manage to have several on screen, um, like like we said, his his wife, Faye and his girlfriend, Michelle. They are the ones who 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 pressed the first charges against him in 2014. And then he basically kind of just runs off to Texas, not not um, escapes to Texas <laughs> when he has all these charges out on him. And he, he meets Machiko and. Uh, she moves in is, with her. He just yeah, he yes. just moves in with people. Like and and they all say, well, you know, I met him, and then two days later, suddenly he was living with me. Yes, exactly. And then he takes control of their finances, and then he mm-hmm. takes control of their ability to to leave a house or leave a a country. He takes their phones. He takes their passports. None of this, according to Freddie, none of it is seen on camera, but all the all the hallmarks are there. I mean, he gets a Jaguar that somebody just gives him. He moves mm-hmm. into someone else's million-dollar house and won't mm-hmm. leave. Mm-hmm. And then he goes home to his delightful parents, who are the nicest people in the world, who have indulged Teddy since he was 15 years old because, unfortunately, his brother Matthew died. And this mm-hmm. can be obviously a very compelling and life-changing moment. But these apparently wonderful parents are just feeding Teddy at a table as if he's some kind of wild animal that needs to just be placated and will never turn on them. That was a strange relationship. Mari, can I ask you, what is the relationship between um, Teddy's father and Bret Hart? Are Are they brothers? No, from what I understand, the relation comes through his mother's side. I was really trying to look it up. It was kind of really hard to to pinpoint but it, it's not his father because if it, if it was his father then his last name would literally be Hart his his last name is is Ennis so uh Stu Hart uh the founder of the 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 Hart family had 10 kids and so a lot of 
wrestlers we know today are associated, funnily enough, through the uh, maternal line. So Teddy, I, I think I think his mother is the one who's related to Brett and Owen Hart. I think she's the original Hart. And just like like Natty, Natty Neidhart, who's currently a wrestler, her mother was a, a daughter of Stu Hart, not her father. You know what I'm saying? So it's like a mm-hmm. uh, uh, baby boy, baby boy, Jr., the British Bulldog's son. The British Bulldog married one of Stu Hart's daughters. So it's kind of Got like, it. yeah. It, and so Teddy using the Hart name, it's it's literally a ring moniker because he's not like at least not having the, the the true surname but he is directly blood uh related to them it's not a, a, a rock situation here um, the rock and uso situation he is a blood relative of Stu Hart. he is the eldest uh, son of uh the eldest sorry the eldest grandchild of Stu Hart, Stu and helen hart so he is of the blood dynasty but he, that heart is not his true last name so and unfortunately that name carries so much weight so much gold it gives you so much access like the the name heart gives you so much access in the wrestling world that truly you could you could say that teddy squandered it because if he was really as good as we were told that he was at such a young age then he really um you know he was the the youngest one hired by WWE, the youngest person fired by WWE because he was just, he was just unfortunately coddled. It it feels like, like Sarah said, he was coddled. He was given everything. He opened his own school at 16, his own wrestling school at 16. So he already thought he knew everything. So you can't have that type of mentality in the wrestling business when you're trying to get to the upper echelon of wrestling. And he really shoots himself in the foot by wanting to be this grandiose character. And that's why he can only survive on the indies because he's just, he's just too big of a character. He clearly doesn't know where the character ends and where he begins. And that's a very, that's very scary because we see a lot of it on the, on this, uh, on, on the film. We see a lot of this over the span of 10 years. He is either always high. I wonder if since he's been doing this for so many years, I wonder how much like CTE cushion trauma, uh, Mm -hmm. how much trauma he's had from concussions and stuff. So it's very scary. And I'm not surprised that he ended up like this, unfortunately. I'm just I just feel bad for all of the people who have been ensnared in his web. I mean, as I understood it, he was uncoachable in that he would go off script. For those yes. of you who don't know, it's a sports entertainment. Mm-hmm. And uh, having come on the wrestling wrap up a couple of times with you, Mari, talking to you and Matt, the trust between the performers is really important. Yes. So even though, yes, there are improvisations, even though you don't know exactly how it's all going. There's a trust and a cooperation between the sports entertainers, these athletes, which is what Mm -hmm. they are. And it seems to me that if you have an 18-year-old who's supposed to jump off the top of something and land once, and they do it five times, how is Mm -hmm. everybody else in the ring going to trust them, going to trust that they won't hurt them, going to trust that they won't choke them, uh, Mm -hmm. which is apparently one of his favourite things both in the ring and most of the women we talk to speak about choking and 
as we know, unfortunately, uh, choking is a precursor sometimes to uh, murder. So he, as far as we know, hasn't killed anybody yet. And and the documentary kind of shies away from ever saying that he murdered Samantha. But the idea is that he knows something he's not telling us. Yeah, I it's hard because I don't I don't know if he murdered her, but he definitely put her in the spot. Like they said at the end of the thing, he put her in the position to be not here anymore. If it wasn't for him, she would probably still be with her kids in Canada. Like he basically took her away from her kids said that he was going to put her in a wrestling school in Florida. He did one that was run by a pedophile um, and then uh, basically abandoned her with nothing. He took her, her Jaguar, he took her passport and just abandoned her. So she is in a foreign country somewhere. She has no way of transportation, no like rent. She has no money. And so now she has to do things to survive. And we know when you get into those desperate situations, it opens you up to dangerous situations. So it, it it's really it's really sad. Um, the one thing I do want to ask, I'll start with Sarah first. Sarah, as somebody who doesn't watch wrestling regularly, how did this uh this documentary come across to you? Did you and were you able to uh enjoy is like might be the wrong word, but were you able to follow the documentary? Did you think um knowing the little bit of wrestling that you did? Uh, that you do know help enhance the viewing in any way? It, it did to the extent of I was able to watch it and go, this is not wrestling. Mm-hmm. I know very little about wrestling, but mm-hmm. what I do know is that is not wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one moment quite early in the documentary where we're still starting to know, uh, getting to know Teddy a little bit, and he, he, he asked someone for a water and someone else for a Pepsi and someone else for a glass of orange juice, and they all go scattering mm-hmm. off. And we speak to a young man who enrolled, as you say, because of the heart name, yep. enrolled in Teddy's wrestling school, and it was $2,000 a month. And he said he'd been there for a month and he was yet to get into the ring, Oof. that he was, in fact, paying $2,000 a month to be Teddy's personal assistant. So I think I was glad that I did know what I did know about wrestling and have had the discussions that I've had with with you and Matt. Because even for me, the lightest, lightest of wrestling fans, I thought, this is not wrestling. This is not wrestling Mm -hmm. as I understand it. Uh, What about you, Rob? Because you're a wrestling fan, I think. Well, I think it speaks to that there is like a a very like uh, like dirty underbelly to like the Mm -hmm. wrestling industry. And, you know, you even hear stories like, you know, um, the people that are like on on the come up of, you know, the links that they go to to like uh, even like the greats, you know, you hear them do like their tell their stories. And they're like, uh, it's like, yeah, I, you know. I went to the wrestling school for, you know, uh, three months straight and I, I made $7 and I, you know, uh, like was like dumpster diving for, for dinner every single night. And like, those are like the, the good stories of, uh, wrestling, like what (laughs) people are like, uh, willing to do of like, I had 19 surgeries on my knee to get to this point. So the people that, you know, uh, you know, are, that go through it, like all like have like these stories of what it takes to go into wrestling. And that, and those are the people that made that come out on the other side and made it. And so, you know, um, I think it did shine a light on like what's going on on the other side of the coin for the people that don't make it in wrestling and a lot of like the false promises, uh, that are made to people 
and just like the desperation there is on the people that are desperately trying to get into the world of professional wrestling. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Teddy took advantage of so many of those people. Yes. Yeah. Great point. When, when so many people are trying to break into this industry and it's, it's a very rough dog eat dog, almost style of um, competition when it comes to making it in the business, then it opens people up to be greatly taken advantage of. And I think we definitely see it here with Mashiko, his Texas girlfriend, and we definitely see it with Samantha because they were with him under the hopes of being able to be trained in wrestling. And they basically ended up in abusive relationships. It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganello. all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. What do we think of Machiko? We saw her, we were first introduced to her when Frederick goes to follow Teddy to Texas to get him to come back to Canada to be arrested. Um, This is when she is still kind of under his spell and still dating him. And then we talked to her in 2001. That is the most recent interview after she uh, comes out about her story about Teddy Hart. What do we think about her and some of the other victims that we do talk to? Oh, Sarah. Well, I thought uh, Machiko was was a really compelling character. Uh, if there is a centre to this to this um, docu series, I think it's Faye. Faye's still very very angry, and mm-hmm. Machiko. And the interesting thing is, we see her at, uh, at the time that Teddy was uh, had the charges, the sexual assault and unlawful confinement charges against him, and so this is around 2015, I think. And she said, Freddie says, oh, what do you think about him having these charges? And she says, oh, well, I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. I judge people by the way they treat me. And I thought, oh, mm-hmm. my darling, no, 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 no. <laughs> then we see an awful scene. And, um, look, I mean, it's worth a warning. It's pretty, it's pretty stomach-turning, a lot of this stuff, but one of them is a, a, a scene at a Benihana, it looks like, some sort of Japanese yeah. restaurant where he's incredibly abusive, throws her out of the restaurant, uh, actually says to her, if the camera wasn't on, you'd be really sorry. And uh, then we said, see- you'll be asleep. You'd be asleep. Yes, you'll be like, asleep. Mm-hmm, because Faye, her out. Faye did talk about being choked out and waking up uh, from consciousness. And then we see her in 2021 where the Me Too movement, the Speaking Out movement has happened She's a different woman, and I thought mm-hmm. this was just fantastic to see her. Mm-hmm. I loved seeing her. I loved the way that she spoke. She said, I've now been in two abusive relationships. I do not deserve this. And now she's saying that she wants to advocate and protect for other women in professional wrestling. This is 180 degrees from, oh, well, that he never did to me. I didn't see it. So if I didn't mm-hmm. see it, it didn't happen. She's come 180 degrees, and I think people are allowed to, you know, grow and change. And I was very happy for one of the last titles that we saw to say that Mr. Money was living with her and living his best yeah. life. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mr. Money got a, a card at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob, what did you think um, about how the victims were portrayed in this documentary? 
Well, it's so interesting, you know, because I didn't know coming in, you know, I, I had not really uh, paid super close attention to who the victim was. And then, you know, I kept uh, like when they brought the girlfriend in to uh, be in the situation with Faye, I said, oh, OK, this is the victim. Uh, and then ultimately, like they ran away and, uh, and Teddy went on the run. And then I expected, oh, OK, well, now. This Machiko is this is the person. Uh, this is the going to be this is the victim, uh, and then ultimately, uh, you know, she also like got away from Teddy uh, before he ended up uh, with Samantha, and so. Um, but I thought that she was. I, I believe that she's the person that's also saying like, look, I, you know, a woman knows. Like, I have intuition. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you you know when you're around that type of person. That's not Teddy. Uh, and then it was such a stark contrast where that when she's reading out like basically like the statement that she made about her time uh, with Teddy about like, you know, uh, how she's like now seen Teddy for who he actually was. Like it was very dramatic. Exactly. Yeah, it was. And it's, it's very sad that um, Samantha, like seeing Samantha with Teddy and the footage that Frederick had of the two of them, he he didn't have that much. Let's be like for real here. He only had a few months with them, maybe like two or three outings. He made it seem like he had so much, so much footage, but the footage that he did have is what is helping hit her is what helped her sister and her sister's friend trying to make sense of what she went through, through, through those last few months of her life. And I think that that part was very touching where he shows Samantha's sister the fi- her, the final film footage that he has of her and and at the time Samantha's smiling she's she's watching the ocean she she'd only been to the ocean like once before and she was laughing and her sister has just moved to tears because it's the first time she's heard her voice in like three years or or at least three to four years and that was sad but I felt like necessary like i think the sister and the friend they really valued finding frederick and finding out this and putting trying to put the timeline of of where what happened to samantha together but overall i don't know if the documentary did enough to really give voice to his multiple victims that were that were portrayed here um, mm-hmm. Any final thoughts before we move on to the ratings? Yeah, I just like uh, rolled my eyes so hard at the end of the documentary where I think that the last line you hear is that uh, Fred, uh, Freddie says, you know what? I think it's time to turn the camera off on Teddy Hart. Like as <laughs> as we just drop like the three part uh, documentary about him yeah. on Peacock. You're right. You're the executive producer of. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Now is the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I've and, had and enough. I, I've had yes. enough now. <laughs> and, and I have no idea what Teddy Hart is up to, but I have no doubt that he's probably like booked more now than he was a year ago. Hmm. Let me quickly see if he is in jail. Not in conjunction with with uh, I mean maybe for other crimes, but you know they said that the police, the Florida police, have never even uh, questioned him regarding uh, Samantha Fiddler. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, he has not been questioned. But there is a Twitter account that tells you if he's in jail or not. Exactly. That's (laughs) yeah. 
Uh, He's managed to sidestep jail quite a bit, it seems, mm-hmm. from, from that list of crimes that you or arrests that you that you read out, Mari. There seems mm-hmm. to have been very little actual is the crimes, where's the punishment? I suppose yeah. it wasn't dangerous breed, crimes, cons, cats, and punishment, because it didn't or incarceration maybe with a C. But the only thing they mentioned was the um, you know, the conditions of bail being violated and and him being in jail for that, but he seems to get out. He seems to, I mean, we've been talking about cults quite a bit too, Mari, and I wonder mm-hmm. if you were drawing a, a sort of a similar line to Larry Ray. Here's this man that I think any of the three of us would just run a mile from, managing to glamour in some way, not just women, but men, and people give him jaguars and people give mm-hmm. him houses and people give him, I mean, he rings Bill from from jail. He's met Bill once and suddenly he's living with Bill and Bill's buying him a jaguar. Yeah, there must yeah. be something in him that that is that draws people in. Or let's put it another way, he selects the right people that will be drawn in. And I think you know, that heart name, as you say, Rob, that people wanting to climb a ladder and they see Teddy as as a rung and Teddy allows them to see him as a rung while, meanwhile, ruining their lives, not to put too fine a point on it. Yeah, it's almost all of the relationships that we see here are almost transactional in a way that it's like he's telling them he can help them get ahead and they're like, they're falling for it unfortunately but yeah it's it's not one of the worst parts of 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 a of a morass of bad things that teddy does is deny that samantha would that he was in a relationship with samantha that's cold he says no i knew her for a couple of weeks we never had sex and she was we were never in a relationship Yes. And that was the one of the things where I was like, well, I loved how they they were wound the footage back. They're like, well, but here's you saying this. They, there were some really good parts where if Teddy would say something that completely contradicted what they had on film, they made sure to play it. So I, I did appreciate that. Yeah, they played it to us, but they didn't. Um, oh, not to him. Con- yeah. They didn't confront Teddy with it. So no, yeah, never. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Can I ask that um, just for like uh, the record, uh, do either of you think that Teddy had something to do with uh, the mur- the disappearance of Sarah Fiddler in, uh, in like specifically, or do you think that you just her involvement with Teddy caused her to be in the wrong place at the wrong time? So, from what we gathered at the end of the documentary, Teddy when when Teddy went back to Canada for his to to see if he was going to get those charges pressed against him back in May of 2016. The charges against him were dropped. And from then on, from what I understand, he kind of, he was already, he had already left Samantha there. He had taken the Jaguar from her and took it to him with him to Canada, had her passport and was gone. They were broken up by that time in May. And we have this on camera because that Frederick was there to to um, capture that. And then from Canada, he drove back down to Texas. So he was actually with Machico in Texas from May to September of 2016. Now, because Samantha was alone in Florida from May until her disappearance in November, 
she was doing odds and end jobs to make money and to stay, you know, to, to be able to survive. They lose track of her in August. She gets arrested because she has nowhere to go and stuff like that. So what we're shown is she, we know that she disappeared somewhere around November 19th of 2016. That day or around that day, Teddy was on the other side of the country wrestling two people who, Rob, I don't know if you know, um, uh, he called, uh, Frederick called one of them Enigma, which is actually a.k.a. Jeff Hardy. Okay. And Mysterioso, a.k.a. Ray Mysterio Jr. (laughs) Ray Mysterio. He was actually like at a match. He He was at a match in California and a match in Mexico within the like he had one one match on like the 17th and then one match on the 25th or something like he was on the other side of the country. So I don't that's why I'm like, I don't think he physically had anything to do with her disappearance. But again, the circumstances that she found herself in were all completely his fault. But so uh, you, the way you present it, it's almost like that he has a very airtight alibi almost almost airtight yeah. alibi but um both he himself in the documentary like is like very clumsily um <laughs> implying like um yeah i had a thing and then like freddie's like well you that you you have all this missing time like is teddy like playing into like the misconception that he could have been the potential murderer like I, how much is teddy in on dangerous breed uh, who is a very savvy operator like does he know that this, oh i'm gonna be you know uh the the new joe exotic here at the subject i know i didn't like uh had nothing to do with her disappearance but i'm going to like act like there's like a possibility that i am to sort of like give more intrigue to this documentary yeah i think that's very insightful because at first, he says, I was in jail at the time she disappeared, which is easily provable that he wasn't. Mm-hmm. It's it's Freddie who comes up with the the matches. And I have to say, you'll be pleased with me, Murray, your, your student. My ears pricked up when I heard both those. I don't, I know who those people are. Yeah. <laughs> but he, I think, Rob, that, yes, he very deliberately is vague and won't answer. And I think this is terrible if you are actually a murderer, uh-huh. but great. He's trying to t- make a great story, knowing that he's not a murderer. But to me, I'm with Mari. He put Samantha in a situation where she could be killed by someone or could die uh, through exposure or, or hunger or who knows what. He left her with no money. He took the Jaguar that Bill had actually given to her. To her, and yeah. And he took her passport. So she is an illegal uh stayer and overstayer there in the US and she has to find work that's cash in hand and presumably one of the people who can give her that kind of work is um Jason Rance. I'm not saying that he had did have anything to do with it. But Teddy put her in a situation and didn't care. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Rob, how many magnifying glasses are you going to rate Dangerous Breed out of a possible five? I would say I would give it three. I mean, I thought it was definitely like uh, very interesting. I was curious to know where it went. 
I, I do question, you know, in the three episodes of runtime that I feel like that we didn't even um, establish Samantha Fiddler, I think, until the second episode. Really, the first episode was just only mm-hmm. about like building up Teddy Hart and who he was um, or, or, or who he is. And so I feel like that um, for the most part, like uh, if, if the show is supposed to be about like the disappearance of uh, Samantha Fiddler, I feel like we did not really spend a lot of time. Uh, on the Samantha Fiddler, probably less than 50% of this is about, um, you know, what's going on with Samantha Fiddler. So I feel like it was enter- entertaining, but I can't help but feel like, uh, you know, I kind of needed to take a shower after because <laughs> it was kind of, uh, you know, gr- I-, I can't enjoy. First off, uh, Teddy Hart is like pretty gross overall. Yeah. Like uh, just uh-huh. like he's not like a fun character uh-huh. to uh, to be around. And so it's hard to get a lot of enjoyment out of it. And I just felt like that as like, okay, this is a documentary about what happened to uh, Samantha Fiddler. I feel like it was kind of lacking in that department also. So um, definitely there were things that were super interesting about this. So uh, I'll give it a three out of five. Yeah. Sarah, how many magnifying glasses are you going to rate uh, the docuseries out of the possible five? I disliked this enormously Uh, I'm going to give it a two Mm -hmm. I think there is lots that's of interest uh, Mm -hmm. but it's it's not called the disappearance of Samantha Fiddler it's Mm -hmm. called dangerous breed I think it has no introspection it wasn't drilling down into anything I think the problem is not Teddy the problem is Freddie Somebody Mm -hmm. else needed to make it. Somebody else needed to say, thank you for all the tapes Mm -hmm. and I will interview you and ask you some hard questions, Freddie, but I will make this documentary. And then you have the first episode should be the glory, the fun of Teddy. We should be showing him in all his Tiger King glory and how much fun he is and the juggling of the cats and the Mm -hmm. ordering people around and charging them $2,000 to keep that all there. Then in episode two, we should start to say, well, that's what he presented, but let's go back and unpick it. And then really do, either really do an investigation with Samantha or mention that she was a girlfriend who went missing and deal with that in in a swifter and more compassionate way. We don't know what happened to her. I think the wrong person made the documentary. Uh, I think that there's a salvageable documentary there because, you know, as you say, Rob, there was lots that was very interesting uh-huh. and we shouldn't, we shouldn't shy away from watching material that's uncomfortable. We need to know about people's experience. We need to know about how we can, uh, you know, witness it and speak up and all of those sorts of things. So Machinko was fantastic to meet because of that. But I just think this, this horrible mess of a documentary made worse by Frederick's trying to simultaneously have some kind of apology and put himself in Mm -hmm. the centre of the narrative, but also at the same time taking absolutely no responsibility. So I'm a two. What about you, Mari? Um, I'm going to go with Rob. I'm going to give it a three. I think overall I thought it was not boring. You know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It wasn't true. It very wasn't, true. Very you know, true. it wasn't boring. I was definitely into it. Like I, I had to, I was like, I need to finish all three of these. I was, I, I didn't feel the length of time. I thought the three 
episodes were appropriate. I actually did like the production of it all in a sense of the like Fred, Fred, Freddie showing us his interview, then talking about his interview. I know it's very disingenuous, but I love that type of storytelling. And I and I love being able to see I, I love the time capsule of, of it all. You know, I, I'm, I'm I always say I love a good documentary or docuseries that can capture a time capsule of what was going on when what was going on culturally when it starts filming. And I think this does that perfectly in a sense of it, it captures like again trying to give anybody a, a reality tv show then at the end it captures the the speaking out movement i think it also falls flat there because they didn't they didn't go into it further i would have loved for them to to talk about the speaking out movement a little bit more maybe interview some other victims from the speaking out movement give maybe give them voices um but again i i know they probably don't want to get sued by any of the guys you know but just well, talking about also like a lot of the people that are in the production of this have some uh close ties to the wwe this is also on oh. peacock home of the oh, wwe right. so i think there's a lot of like oh, maybe not let's not go too far into that too far into it that's very true that is you're right you're that's very true so i i i feel like it failed the victims greatly i think we put teddy hart in the the middle of this we glorified him i don't we didn't do the due diligence and I, when i say we i mean the docuseries they didn't do their due diligence in in really taking him to task for the, a lot of the lies that he told but like I said, it was entertaining to a sense, um, in a sense. But I, I do just feel bad. I, f- I feel bad for Samantha's family. They won't have answers for, for a while. I don't think that this, I think this is kind of the dead end for this. So I would actually be very interested if they like hired a PI and actually like followed up on her case m- more. But I, I unfortunately, I don't think Teddy Hart really <laughs> will lead them there. Like, I, I just don't just because of of his proximity to where she was when she went missing. So I, I would actually really want to know what happened to Samantha. And if if you really want to know what happened to Samantha, this is not that the docuseries for it, because they that was not their intention. That was not their goal. And like we said, there are so many really weird, messy narratives like almost as an afterthought they mentioned how samantha was cree and try and be like Mm -hmm. oh you know many indigenous women um are disposable we talk about that all the time yeah it was so uh, oh oh but i i know about what happens to indigenous women it's like well you just you just sidelined her and you just disappeared her and you just made her unimportant sorry but yes that 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 was well that was yeah So it, it it was a lot of hodgepodge. It was like they threw to they threw this together. They them having that amount of footage was a blessing and a curse to them. You know, it was a blessing in multiple ways where we get to see, especially his victims, how they talk about him in 2014 or or 2012, how they talk about them in 2014, how he talked about him in 2021. It was amazing to see that progress, but then they just had so much footage that they had no real narrative. So very, very interesting doc to say the least. I guess I, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but let's get to our recommendations. Rob, do you have anything to recommend to our listeners? Boy, uh, new stuff to recommend. Yeah. Could be anything. Could be anything. 
Boy, um, I'm I'm so far behind on stuff. I'll, I'll can I can I recommend Australian Survivor to yes. our, our listeners? Please, okay, yes, um, because it's been very fun. Uh, that the heroes versus villains uh, season, and so uh, I have been enjoying uh, you know keeping up with it, and it's you know I can watch Australian Survivor with a little bit more of a passive eye, which I think sometimes can reward you as a Survivor viewer uh, to not have to be taking like uh, like paying such close attention to it. So I think it's been a very fun-filled season. And of course, Shannon Gus is doing a great job covering it over on our uh, Survivor Global podcast feed. Yes, nice. So true. Sarah, what do you have to recommend to our listeners? Well, I'm going to have a slight change of pace. I'm going to recommend a 2018 television miniseries, a drama. It's called The Cry, and it was written by multi-award-winning television writer Jacqueline Persky and directed by Glendon Ivan. It's super tense and super thrilling uh, and super <laughs> dramatic. It's almost, I'm, just, I'm just getting tense even thinking about watching it. It's a four-part miniseries, and it is completely faultless. It's a co-production between uh, the BBC and uh, an Australian production company, and it was quite rightly uh, award-winning. So you can watch that on Netflix in Australia and the UK and on Google Play in the US and Canada. And after you've watched it, hit me up because I'd love to, mm. to talk about it. I watched it at the time and I watched it again recently and it's it's quite something. Uh, what about you, Mari? Um, I am just going to recommend for any of our listeners or anybody who viewed the docuseries, if you want to know a little bit more about the Speaking Out movement, um, there was an article that Sports Illustrated did um, back in 2020 that covered uh, the speaking out movement, just a little bit of it. Like, I think it's a great place to start if you want to know how the movement itself got started, what the movement stood for. And then you can do like your further reading about it. It again, it, it really saddens me how the speaking out movement really didn't get as much coverage as the Me Too movement. And unfortunately, how a lot of the people who were accused during the movement are still actively wrestling and making money for large companies and are, you know, not held accountable for their actions. But at the very least, go and, and listen to some of these women's stories because that's literally what they 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 want. You know, they want to they want to tell their story and they want you to hear them and they want to feel hurt. So uh, we'll include a link to that in our show notes and show description. At Crime Scene, we are eager to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. You can follow Crime Scene on Twitter at Crime Scene RHAP, that's S-E-E-N, or email us at Crime Scene RHAP at gmail.com. We're also on TikTok at Crime.Scene and on Instagram and Facebook at Crime Scene Podcast. So, Rob, what do you have going going on? Uh, plug yourself. Where can the people find you? Well, I just finished up uh, Groundhog Week, so I'm um, <laughs> sure excited did. to not have to watch uh, Groundhog Day uh, again today. And so uh, we got that. And then, uh, you know, we're getting ready for the Survivor uh, 44 to uh, get started. So we've got lots of uh, preseason stuff going on over at robiswebsite.com. Yes. Um, Sarah, what, what's going on with you? Where can the people find you? 
Well, they can follow me on Twitter at Sarah Carradine if they would like to do that. I'm writing about Australian Survivor for Inside Survivor each week, so you can see my articles over there. I'm recapping Taskmaster Australia with Ninja Warrior Sean Bryan for Silent Podcast. We're having fun over there with some great guests. And on post-show recaps, I'm talking all things Outer Banks Season 3 with Asia Welsh and Mary Kwiatkowski. If you want to catch up, you'll find our Season 1 and Season 2 coverage over there as well, post-show recaps. And what about you, Mari? Well, if uh, you want to get to know what real wrestling is and the fun, positive, light side of wrestling, you can join me and Matt Scott every week over on the Wrestling Rehab podcast where we go over the highlights of the week in wrestling. We just came out off the Elimination Chamber premium live event. So go check out our reactions and our preview podcast. You can go to com slash wrestling feed. Um, to subscribe there, or you can watch our video podcast on the Rob Has a Podcast YouTube feed, search Wrestling Rehab Up. Um, of course, you can also follow me on Twitter at Mari Talks Too Much. That's two, like the number two. Uh, that's where I will post any guest um, spots that I'll be doing uh, for podcasting. So just go follow me there. Next time on Crime Scene, we're covering Killing County the third in the ABC News Studio docuseries for Hulu. This one is produced by Colin Kaepernick. We covered Death in the Dorms in episode 40 and Web of Death in episode 43. Our guest will be AJ Norris, and you can watch it on Hulu and send your comments and questions. Thanks to Rob Sesternino for joining us, Will from America for the theme music, Tricky Rice for the graphics, and Chelsea Lesser and Scott St. Pierre behind the scenes. Until next time. Case Case closed. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.